Rising up back on the street. Did my time, took my chances. Oh, get out of here. Yeah, okay. Welcome to Dragon's Cast, a podcast brought to you by Dak Bacalums, who've identified all the victims of the Bowling Green Massacre. But first, we discuss Drexel basketball. With me today, I have Marshall Fleming. Yeah, I'm first again. <laughs> Nick Intrieri. What up, baby? Bill Martin. <laughs> Hello. <laughs> and I am your host, Leon McCodden. This is episode 7 of the 2016-2017 season. And we have a five-game stretch to cover today where the Dragons went 1-4. and four, But it could have just as easily been 3-2. and two which also happens to have been the results of my prediction. But honestly, though, some of those games were close. And in retrospect, it looks like Marshall and Nick, you guys were onto something with that uh, 0-5 prediction you guys had going. Do you, did you guys get what you guys wanted? Is that was Did it work out? Uh, you mentioned there was a method last time when you made your picks. Uh, I'm almost afraid to ask what it was. but Well, I, I think um, Marshall and I got four out of five right. So that was the method, right? I mean, we would have gotten five out of five, right? I think you were trying to go for the reverse psychology method, but yeah, I'm pretty sure it didn't that's... work at all. Oh, you're going to call the method out. It's not going to work in the future. It didn't work calling. now. <laughs> <laughs> we just lost almost all the games. <laughs> you almost your method almost cost us. I'd say. Yeah, it was detrimental. That wasn't my method. My method was looking at the talent and that stretch and predicting accurately. I still contend that I was right with that first Hofstra game, even though we won. I said we lost. I put that caveat in there that if students showed up, we would win. It sounded like a couple students showed up, so it came down to the wire. Hofstra game, they were actually a decent amount, but more importantly, they were loud. So uh, the first, the Hofstra game uh, at home, starting off with that game, it was... We started off real good in that game, and it seemed like we were. Uh, we Kirk Lee didn't do have much contribution in the first half, but overall, as a team, we were playing great going into the half. Uh, and, but we almost tried to lose that game about at the what is it like six minutes into the second half when we started just going on our these droughts that we've succumbed to so far this season, where we couldn't find a bucket for a while. And they even had one of their young, I guess the freshmen got hurt in the first half. So they were a little handicapped. But what we couldn't stop one of their big players. And I'm going to probably, it's uh, the, the right foreman guy. We couldn't stop him. He was pretty much doing the same thing every time. I don't know why we couldn't drop a defensive game plan to stop him. He was just driving to his left every possession and either drawing a foul or scoring. Yeah, that was the other thing. They were getting a fair share of foul calls in that game. I, th- I think in typical OG Dak Pack fashion, we were losing our minds at some point because every time he'd drive, he'd almost, if he didn't make the bucket, or in some cases, even when he did make the bucket, he'd get that call. Yeah. Were we fouling him? I would I say mean, maybe he, 60% of the time. He was getting fouled on some of the plays, but then we just weren't getting the call down the other end, too. Like someone would get hacked and we wouldn't see it when they were just giving him the benefit of the doubt every time down. Fortunately for us, they they didn't do too great from the free throw line compared. You know, we did better than that in that game. Yeah, some of those like drives to the left kind of looked like he was just throwing it up, and um, it was going in a little bit. But more often than not, he was just getting to the line. I tuned into this one. I, I missed the first half. Um, I was watching on iPhone at dinner. Yeah, that's how 
that's how dedicated I am here, Dragon's <laughs> Cast fans. Uh, so it was a little bit grainy for me, um, but just so dedicated like, to you and make it to a home game. But all right, keep going. Okay. Well, <laughs> he lives in Philly. I, I live in New York, but you know, try. I, I make most of them. But I mean, it looked like um, we kind of got into one of those. Uh, stalls where we, we couldn't score because I think we were up right most of that game mm-hmm. and then we went and we got into um, a, a little bit of one of those and this is gonna be a common theme I think we talk about all these games we just get into this long drought we can't seem to get out of it it seems like it happens in the second half a lot and uh, that's when they start coming back and this I this looks like a classic game that we would lose it looked like you know we were going to lose, and we and they had three tip-in opportunities, and then throw up three, and we actually won. It was great. I thought it was going to. It was definitely a much-needed win. I was hoping it would kind of translate to a few more wins. You know, we got a little unlucky last couple games, but um, glad we pulled this one off. But we could have easily lost it. I mean, Kirkley hit the big three in overtime. To really put this game away, which is well, really we needed a big shot and he hit it. Yeah, Kirkley didn't do too much in the first half of this game, but he definitely showed up in the second half to play. And in in overtime, he was he had some even going pushing us into overtime. I think he had the he had oh, yeah. the uh, tying shot. So it was it was almost the beginning of the return of Kirkley. So uh, who I think was having a little bit of. Uh, that freshman adjustment going on, but this game, he without Kirk Levy, he would uh, definitely not even have won one game in this five-game stretch. So, uh, but going back to what Nick had said, that this is a game that you'd expect us to lose, I think is just something that, uh, as as a Drexel fan over the years, we've, we've gotten so used to kind of uh, blowing a lead. We had 11-point lead in the 27th minute, and then we couldn't score uh, for a, what is it like a five-minute stretch where we couldn't find a single point and they continuously scored in that time catching up to us and we had a handed lead for most of the game and then we blew uh, our lead we gave up the lead and then it looked like they were going to finish us off but we were able to push the game into overtime and to the tippins it was being there and watching that tippin not go in and the ball get kind of chucked out to the top of the key and them just heave a shot there's, I feel like I've been on the other side of that a lot more when that heave ends up going in than when the heave actually just breaks. So it, it was it was an exciting game to be at. Yeah, I mean, I, I said this is the game, but pretty much all I could see during that play was just hands tipping that ball <laughs> all around the rim. It's amazing that it didn't fall because I think in our Drexel career, like 99% of the time, that those little tips are going to fall and we end up losing that game. And it has nothing to do with coaching or anything. That's more just luck, but we ended up getting a little lucky in this one. With that, let's jump to the next game where we actually had another home game on Saturday against College of Charleston, which uh, didn't go quite as nicely for us. Uh, but I think Charleston has a better record and is doing better in the CAA, so it's expected. Charleston almost seems like an old-school Drexel team. Uh, they've been pretty much being been the best defensive team in the CAA 
And uh, they still put up 90 points against us. That, I guess, is a testament to our defensive woes we've been having, which we can get to later. But that was uh, that was a pretty rough game. They came out looking like an offensive juggernaut. Like, we couldn't... <laughs> We couldn't do anything to stop any of their guys. The Grant Riller, who is a freshman, just absolutely destroyed us. I mean, that guy was too quick for any of our players, and he just couldn't be stopped no matter what he was doing. I mean, he had a couple threes. He was driving to the hoop, and I feel like we should have game planned a little bit better to slow him down, um, and it just never happened. He torched us the entire time. I mean, Chile was good too, but Riller was the one who really took us out in that game. Yeah, their two guards are really good. Uh, they're the next to the. They're right on par with the Wilmington guards. I think Wilmington has more guards that are good, um, but those two guys are, are exceptional All CA players. Um, I can't believe how young that Riller said his name is Riller. Yeah. Killer or Riller. <laughs> Riller. He's a he's a freshman. He was uh, he was shooting the lights out, and he he had the swagger of a senior. We're gonna. Um, I'm not looking forward to going against him next couple of years. Yeah, I think so far in the CAA, I've seen like a couple of freshmen, and I mean, other than maybe Kirk Lee, he's and in that game he was the most impressive I've seen. But um, overall, stat wise, Kirk Lee's probably one who's who's looked better. Yeah, I, I did not expect that Riller guy to be as good as he was. It seemed like he was able to take it to the hoop anytime he wanted to, and, and we didn't have an answer for him. And I understand that we are a little undersized at guard, but uh, the other other thing that they did exceptionally well was shoot from the free throw line. They shot ninety seven percent from the free throw line, which kind of that was us. Yeah, that yeah, that was the that was what was the difference in the game. I mean, really, stat-wise, like, we kind of stayed up with them the whole entire game, but the free throws, they went 30 for 31 from the free throw line. I mean, that is, like, that's unbelievable. That's yeah. that's the whole reason we lost that game. And we were actually held with them in almost every other statistical category other than them just shooting and making more free throws. At the DAC, this was so far the worst officiated game by far. It was I, bad. I mean, they – they shot – I mean, they made 15 more free throws than us. So, that's the difference in the game <laughs> pretty much. Yeah. But they were still good. I mean, and our, our defense is not not where it needs to be, which is even more blatantly in display in the next game. But we can talk about that next. <laughs> yeah, the, the scoring that uh, they were able to do at will against uh, us, which – which which has kind of been uh, the story of the season to a certain extent was, I guess, on display in this game because I thought we, if we scored, I thought if we scored 80 points, which we didn't, but I thought if we scored 80 points, we'd be able to beat them. Uh, but we couldn't even score 80 and they scored 90. So that's a little telling of a team that barely, you know, that usually is a, a defensive juggernaut and doesn't even end up putting as many points. But I guess when you get as many opportunities, you're going to end up scoring. So the the Riller guy also, it reminded me a little bit of Sammy uh, and even Kari in the sense that they have the, he was, his arms would always get in the way of a pass. He, I think, I don't know how many steals he had. I mean, I'm looking at the stat line over here. I guess he only had, oh, he had six steals. Yeah. He had six steals. Sense. Yeah, he had a bunch of steals. 
he was jumping pa- he was jumping passing lanes though you should fake that pass and give him the like you know, oh yeah he was definitely know, pass behind him we didn't you're right you can't you can't give him that i mean once you once he steals it once you stop making that pass you fake it let him blow by and then take advantage of um, the extra man you have because he was out of position after that but um obviously we didn't do that <laughs> they didn't yeah. miss a 30 for 31 from the free throw line that's crazy I know. I was watching it. We're like, can someone miss a free? <laughs> can somebody miss a free throw? I mean, it was yeah, insane. Guys were hitting. Everyone hit. They had one guy missed one free throw. I mean, it's quite quite ridiculous, really. But it was one of those games where they got away from us early, and we could never really catch up with points in the game. Like, uh, well, we got closing out the half. We got close, and then in the beginning of the second half, we were close a little bit, but then they just kept. We went on one of our other droughts for a couple of minutes. They kept scoring, and we could we couldn't catch up with them. And they ended up beating us by fourteen. So not much more to it, I guess. Yeah, I mean, Curry kept us in that game a little. He had a bunch of threes. He played really well. That's probably his best game in a while. He played. Um, yeah, Curry looked almost back to his Quinnipiac, uh, uh, you know, swagger. But he had most of his points in the first half, though. Yeah, I know he definitely did. And this is one of the, this is actually one of the games I think I mean Kirk Lee has actually been on a tear for most of these games, but this was not a great game for him either. Yeah. Well, with that, let's talk about the the beatdown at William and Mary. <laughs> I almost rather not talk about this game. You guys want to just like blow right by it, like pretend this it never was a, happened. Uh, I mean, do you want to blow right by it, like <laughs> blowing by our defenders the whole time? Like, oh, I snap! I feel like that game. We might have had three defensive stops the whole game. Uh, if they, maybe <laughs> the yeah, second yeah. half, that's probably not an exaggeration. Uh, they, when they didn't miss, when they did miss, they got the rebound and then hit the shot. Uh, they were making layups. They were making backdoor passes. They're making threes. They're making contested threes. They're making wide open threes. A lot of them were wide open threes. Um, I'm not really sure what was going on there. I, I mean, offensively, we played fine. Like, we had a bunch of guys who played mm-hmm. well. It was yeah. just we couldn't get a single stop defensively, and they score 108 points, and <laughs> you lose by 20, 20 plus, or you drop 85. I mean, that was just a terrible. That was just he completely exploited our defense, and, and uh, it was just, it was bad. Let me ask you this question. Here's a trivia question for the group. In a Drexel game in the last three years, you scored 85 points in regulation. What's your how many what percentage of games do you win? High, uh, 95 percent. I don't know. <laughs> do you have the stat? I just didn't do the calculation. <laughs> <laughs> I would say it's high. I mean, usually we would never score 85. Go points, with your so. gut, Nick. Uh, I'm looking at uh, last some of the last years. Uh, it looks around about 80%. Yeah, you don't have to. Yeah, but it goes back to us not being able to make defensive stops. Our offense this game, like Nick, uh, Bill just mentioned, was, it wasn't the issue. It was just we can't seem to be uh, – when, when a team is continuously scoring, be able to get a break as far as stopping – uh, the, either a drive or an outside shot. They don't get me wrong. They had a they had a really good game. Regardless, uh, they they were shooting pretty high percentage. Or, but 
we it's not the first game where we've had issue just stopping another team's offense. I feel like one of the things that bothers me though about the defense is like it's it's been and William Mary was a little bit of everybody, but they had two guys just torches. Yeah, I feel like guys. that's been the case in a lot of these games where it's one or two guys and they're just crushing us and we can't make any sort of defensive adjustment to even slow them down. Like they're just they're just scoring at will whenever they want. Like mm-hmm. Daniel Dixon and Pruitt I mean, by themselves had 56 points between two guys. Yeah, once in a while you can see like, okay, well, we got beat quick on a backdoor cut. Or, okay, there was a little lapse in the switch. You know, it happens. But on every, almost every play, it's happening all over the court. That's, yeah, and like one or two guys looks completely unstoppable. <laughs> yeah, I mean, almost. Yeah, I don't even think they could play that good if there was no team defending them at all. It, yeah, like an open like, practice with just like a shoot around. Yeah, like, I'm looking at last year's. We would have won every game. We scored 85 points, <laughs> except for the UNC Asheville game where we gave up 85. Okay. Every other game, we gave up less than 85 points. I mean, the defense is a it's a serious problem. That's probably my now, biggest. I know we're playing an up tempo style. That's going to generate more opportunities for the other team. I get it. You know, that's that's part of it. So you can't. These comparisons are apples and oranges, but um, hundred like they could have scored one hundred and twenty points had they not stepped on the gas or stepped on the brakes a little bit. And I mean, that was crazy. That was crazy. This is the thing that concerns me the most about Spikers teams. Like I'm actually pretty pleased with the the offense looks good. He's brought in some good recruits, but there has been not even a slight improvement on defense. If anything, we might be getting worse in some of these defensive. <laughs> performances oh there's no question we're worse i mean I don't and, know. and again i'm not it's year one it's a process i get all that but it, i don't even think it's i think it's at this point we are we are worse on defense i think we're much better on offense much much better on offense than we were last year our scheme is better we're getting rodney more involved than we did last year we have better you know we have kirkley we have Kari. We're, we're much better on offense but we are slightly worse defense that's my that's my take. I, I was even just slightly about, worse. I think we're ex- a lot worse on oh, defense. I was just saying, even as the year's been going on, I think we. I mean, it seems like. I mean, maybe it's the whole time, but some of these seem like really bad, like 108 points. I mean, we weren't even close to slowing them down. Yeah, most of those points were in the second half. Like the first half, we kept up with them. We were at the at the half. We were only down one. I thought we had a shot. And in the second half, they come out. We still put up 40 points in the second half, but they put up 63. It's a, it's we, we, we have an offensive power and we have a, a good run gun offense this year, but we're not going to be able to put 63 and a half. We can't keep up with a team that way. We, we just don't have that kind of uh, offensive power, at least not yet. I don't, I don't know if anyone should have that much. 63 and a half for a, for a college game is... It's absurd. Like we used yeah. to, if we would break sixty three some games under Bruiser, we win. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's completely, it's a completely different. Like we would take the whole shot clock, you know. That last, you know, that's where it's like it's a little bit tough comparison because I think we were bad on defense last year too, just because we the score isn't. We don't give up as many. We we would take twenty plus seconds every possession, but we would still go down and we would give up easy buckets. We would just lose. A score would be a little bit different, but um, yeah, I mean, I think this year's definitely worse. And one of the things I noticed that we do is like we make a couple mistakes, 
and we can't recover from those. Like, quick turnover, mm-hmm. they get a bucket, we come down, we miss a quick shot, they come down, score again. It happens really quickly. Like, we go down from, like, one point, we're down one point, to suddenly we're down 13 within, like, a matter of, like, a minute. It seems to happen in a couple of these games. I feel like a lot of that is because of how quick, like how quickly our offensive possessions go, right? Like the we we tend to go a lot quicker, so as a result, anything any mistake you make on offense has uh, a tendency to cost you a lot more if they score on the return. So I, I feel like I I, and I I hear exactly what you're saying though. I like UNCW when we played them made us pay handedly every time we paid a mistake I made a mistake and it seems like that's not just a, a capability that UNCW has it's any team that we play against because of how quickly our offensive possessions go if we don't convert on them the other team has more opportunities and if they're shooting 64% from the field they're going to have a great day yeah, but like uh, some of these, like they like the, just it's a turnover and it's resulted in like a bucket so fast, and then we make mistakes. Like I feel like compounding right in a row. Like it's not just like one and here and there. It's like okay, there's one, there's a second one, there's a third one, and now we're down a lot. And like it's just like it happens really quickly that we go from right in the game to out of the game, and it's maybe only a matter of a couple possessions. And I don't quite know how you fix that, but. It didn't happen in the next two, at least. I think we probably should move on from <laughs> the massacre that we just You're right, witnessed. Although I was, I mean, we did have like we had some good performances in that game. Though, like Kirk Lee has been playing really well. Rodney had a solid game. I mean, but it's just not enough to overcome 108 points. You know, so. you know the two of the Kirk Lee's best performances this game and LaSalle, two beatdowns. But he had a great game in both. Uh, so. It, with that, let's jump to the next game where the opponent also put up over 100 points. At least they had uh, two overtimes to actually get to that. but And we only lost by one point. This was a tough loss. This is a tough loss uh, down in Townsend. Uh, you know, I thought we were going to I thought we were gonna scrape this and get home. Uh, after the William and Mary loss, I thought this would have been a, a great road win. But I guess the, it just wasn't in the stars for us. Rodney was in absolute beast mode in this game. I mean, he he dropped twenty seven and grabbed sixteen boards. I mean, he was he was crushing them for most of the game, and then I think Kirk Lee like really turned it on in the second half and the OTs to kind of uh, keep us in there. Especially after I think all of our players fouled out in the game, right? I mean, Rodney fouled out, Austin fouled out, Kari fouled out. We pretty much just had – Yeah, we had nobody left at the end. Yeah, Rodney, <laughs> Rodney fouled out, I want to say, in the first overtime. I think we had like more, the Moran, Kennedy, um, Lee. Was Lee still in? Or you, yeah, Lee was the only one in. Oh, Overton fouled out too. Yeah, and Mojica. And that last possession. Um, and we just had Lee take – you know, we could talk about that. But, okay. Well, this, this game, we got lucky to get it to overtime. They crumble regulation. Like I thought the game was over. I think they were. Uh, right, let, me, let me mention this, this while you're talking about this. The scorekeepers on the Townsend feed. Worst <laughs> <laughs> scorekeepers I've ever seen. I actually thought we lost the game. The score was so bad. I, I couldn't even keep track of what the what the score was. <laughs> you're right. Because I, I was looking at what was on the screen. 
Yeah. They couldn't tell whose baskets were going to who. They were like giving three points for two pointers. They were just, it was a mess. So go ahead. Sorry, Nick. Yeah, <laughs> I, no, I, I mean, I, I gave up. I was keeping manual tick sheet score <laughs> pretty early into the game. Uh, yeah, it was, it, that was, I don't know what was going on there. Um, we put that, pre- that we should have, I thought this game was over and we put on a press with a minute left. We were down seven and they just turned it over. I know. Three times in a row. And uh, we capitalized on it and they just completely crumbled. I was like, oh, wow, this is awesome. And uh, we couldn't deliver. And then the overtime, and I think in overtime, number one, I think we barely, uh, I think Kirk Lee had a really tough yeah. runner, real like a real high floater, really nice drive and take to just tie it. So we barely hung on overtime, overtime number one. And then overtime, finally, in overtime number two, it appears that we kind of took a little bit of a lead, I think. Um, and then, you know, I don't remember exactly what happened, but Kirk, I mean, Kirk Lee had a, a two-foot shot. Yeah, we were down one I mean, at that point. You can't ask for um, – yeah, we were down one, but I felt like we were controlling the second overtime for whatever reason, at least most of it. And um, so I thought we were going to get that one. We were, uh, we were controlling with the with the and the people we had left on the court. We, I, we didn't want to go to a third overtime, that's for sure, because we pretty much had no players out there. This it was game, pretty much Kirk Leeds is doing everything. That, yeah, it was. This game was also weird because we the in the first half we weren't doing that bad. We were actually doing pretty good for the entire half, and then we had that what is it like a six point swing going into the second half, like technical or the yeah the random yeah, technical or flagrant that Tyshawn got. Yeah, I, that was bad. That actually really cost us. That right really there. cost that us. Cool. It kind of swung the game going into the second half, and we and then they. You know, we kept it closed till about like the thirty third minute, and then we went on one of our uh, 2017-2017 droughts where we couldn't score, and they took a nice handed lead. And like Nick mentioned, uh, it was almost like a role reversal when we started putting out the press, and they just crumbled, and we were able to catch up to them. And uh, I thought we were gonna st- when I saw that happen, I thought you know we were gonna end up winning, but I, it, it just wasn't going to go our way that day, I guess, because, again, we we couldn't – we didn't have any players left at the end of the game. Yeah, I mean, I mean, Kirk, play, Kirk Lee playing against his uh, dad's alma mater down there um, really put on a show, but he just couldn't get that last shot to fall. He was right there too. There was some trash talkers the by the mic too. <laughs> yeah, I did hear them on the broadcast. They're pretty clearly being heard. Yeah, dis- disappointing loss could win our way, but – I mean, at this point, I'm not even, like, upset about the wins and losses as long as we look somewhat competitive. I mean, obviously, we're not in contention for an at-large or anything. We're probably almost locked into the pillow fight at this point for the CA tournament anyway. So I'm not really concerned with wins and losses at this point. I just want to see a little progress and and, uh, and just not take the losses We needed to win this Townsend game that you'd have a shot at not being in the – so-called pillow fight. Uh, um, yeah, I, I, I think you know offensively. I mean, Kirkley obviously has been playing great. I feel like Kari the last couple games has got his groove back a little bit. Overton has had a rough stretch. 
He's been terrible. I don't know. I don't even know what he, he didn't even play in the Hofstra game. Is he hurt? Or I didn't hear. Did you hear anything, Leon? I haven't heard anything about Overton. I just know he didn't play. I've not heard anything. No, but he had a he had a rough game at Townsend. He's been in a rough stretch. We could have used him a little bit. There was a couple of opportunities. What, what I guess annoyed me a little bit in the Townsend game from Overton, and I do want to get talk more about Overton, but also wrap up the Townsend game is that there was there was a couple of opportunities where he just didn't make that extra pass. Uh, I think towards the end of the game, I don't know if it was the first overtime or the second one, where he if he just made one more pass, uh, Curry was open, and you just could see Curry was upset that he didn't get the ball, but he took instead he decided to take a shot and brick it. Uh, which you know, I, I get the instinct, I get the. I get that you want to take that shot. You want to be the closer. You want to be the clutch player. But he wasn't having that kind of game. He went zero for four from three. So it was just. It was well, at this point, game. at this point, Carr he's the top three point shooter in the CAA percentage base. So yeah, the kid's you open to get in the pass. ball. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, get in the ball. Yeah, I mean, I don't, I don't mind Overton shooting, but um, if Carr he's open, you throw him the pass. I mean, I'm looking at the standings. We're officially last in CAA, I guess, right now. We're tied with Delaware. It's only based on yeah, the other like. We need to win at Delaware. I don't believe we're the worst. I was not impressed with Townsend that much. Were you guys? I think our talent level is better than some of these teams. It's just the defense is so poor at times that we're still losing some of these games. Like Townsend is fourth in the conference? I, who, I was not – Overly impressed with their. They were picked even higher, but I was more impressed with Boyd Mary than I was with Townsend. Yeah, yeah and Northeastern. I, I thought I, Northeastern was better. I think Bill hit it on the head, though. It's it's not that there we, we don't have talent. It's just we can't seem to stop other teams from scoring more than us for some reason right now, and uh, that just speaks yeah, we're, to the defense. We're scoring. We're scoring plenty. We might have a little bit of a depth issue, I think, with some of these, especially like if Overton's out, then suddenly. You know, we really don't have that many guys we could throw out there that can score. But, I mean, the talent level is high enough where we can put up points. Just need to play some defense. Uh, and I don't know what what could be done. I mean, I feel like you can scheme some better defense here. That's yeah. That's what is concerning me a little bit. With that, let's get to the last game, a Hofstra game. I thought we were going to sweep Hofstra, but I guess, again – it, it was nice to see after the William and Mary game that we we had two very competitive games at least, not not against the best of opposition, but still, I thought we could have beaten Townsend and we couldn't be we should have beaten Hoster, but uh, it, again, it, 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 it we crumbled at the end over there. Uh, this was a this was the roughest game of all, um, because. You know, this one, we had a seven-point lead with a minute left and lost. We missed four three free throws down the stretch. That questionable call was an offensive foul, Kirk Lee, on an off-the-ball inbounds. Um, Who calls that at the end of the And then uh, John Moran gets pushed to the ground, and the guy hits three. Next, very next play. you think you'd get that makeup call. Didn't get it. And um, Curry had a great look to tie it, and I thought it was going in. Back rimmed it. Game's over. 
that was uh, that was really rough because we I think we pretty much dominated them the whole game at their place in control. Uh, not dominated, but in control. The game was in control, and it was just one of those things where you. It was just like the game at Ryder that one year where everything is going fine, and then a couple things happen, and then the crowd suddenly comes alive out of nowhere, and then all of a sudden we can't make a free throw. And uh, it's a disaster situation. We lose. That's exactly what happened. Yeah, that's the one knock on Kirkley so far. Has been he's been spectacular as a freshman. Free throws as a point guard. It's nice to have a guy who can just close you out there. Like when we had Franz. I mean, the game was at end of the end of the game. You got the ball to him. Game's over. I mean, he's hitting those free throws, knocking them down. Kirkley's still not quite there. He he can make that leap next year. Just just on free throws alone, even if he doesn't get any much better in his regular game, he'll yeah. have a he'll have a really good season. He was hitting free throws against Townsend, but he I mean he's he been missed, hitting more. He missed two critical ones against Austria. Um, and there's something to be you know this is a stat that's not tracked, you know, but you just know as a fan like what guys hit the free throws in the clutch situations. It's not always normally your best statistical free throw shooter. Usually is. But always, it isn't always. Do we have that guy now? I don't know if there's a single guy on this I team. I don't know if we have that guy. I know we used to have guys like that. Yeah. Damian Lee. Yeah, yeah but at Fox. the Townsend game, I want to say Kirk had some clutch free throws at the end of he that. Did. Oh, he's he been did. Hitting, yeah, he did. But his he, free throws have been better lately, other than the Hofstra game, than it was early in the season. But overall, just a disappointing loss. I mean, Rodney, again, had a huge game. Kirk Lee, besides the free throws, had a really nice game. Austin Williams had a re- – I mean, Austin Williams played a real – he was actually – when he's in there, he takes a lot of pressure off Rodney and makes things easier. We he's killed actually, these guys on the boards. No, I guess they were missing a big guy or a big guy fouled out. Or, yeah, they were missing uh, Gusty, it looks like. He, he's their main – I mean, this is on. another team. I feel like you just – the eye test, we're better than this team. We're better than Delaware. But I mean, we're better than Hofstra. Just just watching our players with their players. But according to the standings, we're not. So we're not. I mean, that's the bottom line. But uh, that's what's a little bit frustrating right now. Well, this uh, is the kind of team that you can beat in the in the tournament. Hopefully, that right. Yeah. If we if we just get our act together or have you know play a little bit of defense, maybe we can beat some of these teams in the tournament. So I'm not saying we're going to go all the way in the tournament, but some of uh, some of these teams, at least, we might be able to exact our revenge at Charleston. It would be nice to get a win down there. But yeah, Wait, Northeastern's really gone off the deep end. They've lost six out of the last seven. I mean, they really only have like two guys that I'm really afraid of on a team. I think their rookie's been playing well. I mean, Kirk Lee got rookie of the week, but I think the also the Northeastern uh, Brace, I think his last name is. He's been a uh, he got rookie of the week too, but. I mean, there's only two guys in that team you're afraid of, and the rest of the team really isn't that spectacular. I thought they were pretty impressive when we played them at their place. I mean, they were moving the ball. They had multiple guys that just did. Bagley, Murphy, the guy you're in love with, Taj Williams. TJ Williams? TJ Williams. TJ Williams. I'm not in love with TJ Williams. He's just Still statistically the best player in the league. Yeah. <laughs> Bill said he was the best player in the CAA last time. Statistically, he is the best player. He just said – Two, like a second ago, but he averages like over twenty points a game. No one else does. I know you don't like stats, but 
statistically, I like I, I like eye test. There's at least four guards. Eye test the both games I saw. Games. He was good. He was the best player on the court. <laughs> is he the better than that? He torched us. Is he better than Riller? Charles Charles. Yes. Yeah. Hell no. Yeah, Riller. Riller. Riller was hitting okay. shots, steals. Okay. He was all over the so court. So you're basing Riller's better than TJ Williams is what you're telling me. Based on what I saw. No, no, okay, so one game. <laughs> That's what the eye test does, though. That is what the eye test does. You see one game. Let me look at Riller's stats. And also, stats. I already know his stats. He averages about 12 a game, whereas TJ Williams averages 21. And his team's 10-2 and two in the conference. Okay. I, want your, <laughs> I don't understand this. I don't understand this point. He's got a if better he team. doesn't make the point that he wants to make, he changes the subject as in the team standings are higher. But getting back to Kirk Lee, Kirk Lee at least uh, was, I guess, I know we had a you know, one and four run over here, but Kirk Lee seemed to have uh, some of his better games. So it was nice to see him come back. And not that he was he disappeared, but he was having a little bit of a freshman adjustment of some sort where he, he wasn't having the – level of output that we saw very early on in the out-of-conference play within this in the CAA. But it was nice to see him come back and get a CAA Rookie of the Week. So There was a stretch of games where he looked like he was a, a good freshman for a, like a solid period of games. And in the last few games he played, he looked like, like a superstar again. And some of these games completely taking the game over, hitting clutch shots. I mean, it's going to be interesting, actually, for CA Rookie of the Year, I think. Um, I think he's going to he, – he possibly could get it. Kirk Lee? Yeah. Statistically. Well, this, this Riller guy. He's a freshman. Riller's not even I, – I, maybe Riller will get it, but Riller averages 12. Kirk Lee averages more points, more assists, better assist-to-turnover ratio, better three-pointers. Statistically, look at the stats. I mean, Riller's good. Don't get me wrong. I'm not saying that, but usually – these awards, whether you like it or not, are based on statistics. So, like, a guy could look spectacular for one game and not get it. Actually, the, the best player in the conference statistically as a freshman is actually Daly from Delaware. And I don't know if I'll give it to that guy from a points-only perspective. Riller's averaging 13.1 a game. Yeah, how much is Kirk Lee? Kirk Lee's got more. He's got like 14-something. He's got more assists. I'm not thinking Riller torched us, but... He did. He killed us. I and mean, he, I mean, he was unbelievable that game. That being said, I, I'm not saying I'm not. I'm not de- declaring the winner is Kirk Lee here for the freshman of the year. But I'd say he's I, in the I running. think that's what you're doing. <laughs> but no, no j- jokes aside, though, the the that if you don't count the Hofstra game, which Kirk, which Rodney just beasted, Kirk was the best player from like a game score kind of standpoint in the last five games, but. Rodney beasted it and took back his throne uh, with, with the Hofstra game. He, he, but it was nice to see Kirk Lee come back and uh, put up some solid games, even if his best game out, off the bunch was uh, a blowout of William & Mary. What, what do you think our problem is on defense? I, I honestly – I don't, I don't know. I wish I knew that answer. Is, but it, is there one or two people that are consistently blowing assignments? It is it to be the entire team, team thing? <laughs> is it like when you watch the game, like like we always talk about, oh, this guy did great. And we're always talking about offensively. Oh, points per game. He's did, he had a great offensive game. Who's had terrible defensive games? Because I can't. We, mo, mo, most just based on 
the amount of points we've given up and everything we're saying right now it has to be true that most of our team has had bad defensive games. Yeah, I agree. Right? I mean, I think a lot, a lot of it is like I don't think sometimes we don't rotate here. Or sometimes we don't rotate quick enough over on the three pointers. They have a lot of open shots that are like that. It's just the I don't know exactly what that is. There's some individual effort. The guy drives, and then there's another guy open based on the drive. I mean, it's a number of there's a number of defensive issues. I don't think there's one guy who's getting consistently beaten is causing the entire team to stink. It seems to be an entire squadron of people who aren't playing well. Yeah, I'm inclined to agree. I don't, I don't think it's a one-person thing. That being said, anytime I look at one person for a, an extended period of time, regardless of who it is, they make they make like a mistake. Either they don't go through a screen, they like switch and don't get you know or have a mismatch. All of a sudden, something happens where they're out of position. So I think. I can't point at one particular person per se. That being said, Bill and I, we, we were we were chatting with Dan Crane of Always a Dragon, and he seemed to think Kirk Lee was the worst uh, defender in the CAA. So I, I don't necessarily agree with that, but yeah, I don't he, agree with that he, 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 does, he does struggle covering players that are most guards that he's up against that are, tend to be a little taller than him. Uh, you know, all he, he can do four. is get your hand, get his hand in their face, which I think I like that type of D. You know, you get your hand in this face. I think it's almost sometimes more difficult for the person to make the shot when you get a hand in their face than when you try to actually tip the ball. Yeah, I feel like there's just every every single person on the team at one point or another has been blown by and has given up easy buckets. Rodney may be the least of the group, but I think they also put him on one of the weaker um, players usually in order to try to keep him out of foul trouble. Um, so, but I mean, I've seen Mohiki get beat. I've seen Kirk Lee get beat. Even Overton, who's probably, uh, I guess, athletically one of the better defenders, he's been beat a couple on a couple of occasions. Uh, I mean, it seems to be a entire team thing. And it seems like some, we've switched the zone. Sometimes the zone looks better, and then eventually they start breaking down our zone. So, um, yeah, the Valley Mary game was a great example because we started off playing man, and they were torching us and so we switched to zone which seemed to work then they started torching us towards the end of the half first half in the zone and then the vehicle just recover they put up 63 points so it's it, there doesn't seem to be like a, a simple answer to our current defensive woes but uh what is very clear is that we cannot seem to stop a team at, at a critical point in the game so I don't know what the answer to that is. I, if it's, I don't. I don't see the defensive scheme kind of through the. I, I can't read the tea leaves. That is our current defensive scheme yet. <laughs> well, I, I think that's a critical thing. That and not. I mean, we're just guys around a mic. But Spiker needs to, like, if we if if a guy misses a clutch clutch free throw in a game, like you know, we talked about Kirk Lee's two missed Ofstra, we call him out on here, or we mention it. A guy misses a, you know, offensively you make a mistake. Spiker needs to be calling people out on these mistakes. Personally accountable. Like, here's what happened. You did this. You needed to do this. This is what I, I constantly see, you know, I'll, I'll say, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll agree with you guys. Uh, I've seen, I don't think we have one right now individual, def- and not one person on the team right now is a great defender. There's at times, I, I if I had to pick one person, I'd give it to Sam Mojica for his ability to get rebounds. 
um, you know, as in one guy. But I don't think that we don't have a lockdown defender. And everyone's been blown by. Everyone's missed assignments. Um, and I think that's, yeah, it's, you need to call those things out on, a, on an individual level um, because it, that's the only way it gets fixed. We always say it's, oh, it's just a team thing. Everyone just needs to play a little bit better defense. Then it won't get fixed. I'm not, it's saying, not, I'm not saying it's team. I'm just saying it could be the scheme on Spiker. I don't know. <laughs> I'm not even blaming it, an individual player. Like, you could yell at everybody, but end of the day, defense just comes down to effort and what you're playing. I mean, it, you don't need that much talented guys to play defense. You just need coach it up. You could teach defense. You could it's just effort. And not that they're not giving effort. I just feel like they're just it's just not schemed properly. No, I was just saying, Sammy, you're right. Amazing, you know, rebounder. And he's been huge from that standpoint so far this year. But I've seen him blow his assignments. Like, oh, yeah. He, I've seen it, too. He, rebounding he, isn't defense. Again, we'll have yeah. this argument. But rebounding is not defense. <laughs> he goes for... Rebounding is rebounding. Yeah, he goes for that, uh, the same thing that Riller was doing against us. He goes, he goes for those opportunities, and sometimes he gets burnt by them. But two of our guards, two of our guards that start, Kirkley and Kari have very clear disadvantages against some of the guards in the league. Kirk is a little undersized, and Kari's a little undersized in a different way. I'll tell you the Kari, I though. Kari's playing better. Actually, I, I agree. I like his – he's got long, longer arms, and it lets him play pretty decent defense. He's, you're right, Leon. He's, he's, he's thinner, so he could he be like – back in the game in Charleston for a brief moment. We had like that one steal. I'm not denying for a second that he gets in the lane. I'm saying uh, he – does get muscled like that Brian Bernardi guy at Hofstra. There's a couple of times where he he knows he can take advantage of that matchup, and he does. Yeah, I mean he competes upon his point. I mean, that's just, <laughs> he's getting harassed by most fan bases for looking like he's 12 years old. I've heard the heckling. <laughs> but going back, it, it it does seem to be a team effort so far. Uh, that our defense hasn't turned around. I, I don't know who to necessarily put it on. I don't. I don't think there's a player to blame. It's just maybe an adjustment to the new defensive scheme, which I'm, I'm not uh, as astute to have figured out yet. Yeah, I think I mean, I'm going with Spiker <laughs> right now. Yeah, that's I, how I'm putting it on. I mean, yeah. I mean, ultimately, everything goes to Spiker. But if I'm, you gotta, you gotta call if you see things in film. You have to highlight things. Who's highlighting them? Spiker. That's correct. <laughs> yeah, but maybe he is You disagreed with me them. without knowing you agree with me. But maybe he is highlighting them. Maybe he is bringing it up and nothing's changing. You know, that that you know that, that could be happening too. It goes back to our thing of where he can draw up the plays, but if you don't have the personnel to execute it, it's... Um, yeah, I'm, that's the one thing that I'm interested to see. Like, when he gets more of his guys next year, he wants to play more of his scheme. I'm assuming we'll press more. You know, we don't quite have the depth this year to press people, and maybe that's more of his defense, and we just don't have the personnel. So maybe we'll see that next year. I don't think we're going to improve defensively this season. It's too late. Yeah. <laughs> Probably right. What does Dan say that uh, that Kirk Lee is the worst defender in the league? What, what's his reason behind that? I don't know. I think it was because he was small in the end, right? I don't know. Yeah, that. I think it was primarily based on small, and he also kind of gets blown by, which I have seen. I've like seen he, it too. 
He's not the worst, though. He, yeah, he, yeah, but he. I feel like he's quick, so he should be able to stay in front of his men. But I've seen players like go around him, which has baffled me because he is very fast. So I, I don't technique. know. This is no. There's another thing. It's technique. Yeah. You can teach better defense, and I don't think. I mean, that's not the focus. Like, if you went to a bruiser practice, which I went to a few, the entire practice was devoted to defense. And you saw that struggle on offense. I don't know. Maybe there needs to be, you know, a little more focus on the defensive end. And I, I don't know what's going on. I haven't been to a spiker practice, but yeah. it, it just seems like the defense is a problem. And we've been talking about the defense for. Well, it's hard not to talk about it, right? It's 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 something that we've had the luxury of under Bruiser that we all of a sudden don't, and it seems to be the leading cause of a lot of our losses. So, but with that, let's get to the most fun topic I think I had on our list for today, which was uh, is Rodney Williams. I think we had this discussion earlier on in the season. Uh, the top five big men at Drexel historically. Let's qualify about that by saying in our time. It's like 2,000 so, on. Yeah, 2,000 on. So Malik is already out of that running. Um, but uh, it does Rodney qualify as one of the top five bigs we've had at Drexel since 2000? And in the beginning of the season, you know, I was a little on the fence. I wasn't sure. Actually, I'm lying. I, I didn't think he should have been in the top five. But at this point in, in the season, it's hard for me to say he's not in the top five. So I'd say Rodney Williams is definitely in the top five big men that I've start, I've seen play at Drexel. And I, I know, Bill, I think you and I are on the same page. You you might even think he's I, in – I've been more I've been selling that since earlier in the year. I mean, last no. year, coming into the season, I wouldn't have said that. He just statistically wasn't there. But – he has just been playing unbelievable this whole year. And I know we're not winning a lot of games, but most of the time that's not really on Rodney. I mean, he's keeping us in a lot of games too. But um, just looking at what we've had, I would, I, he's definitely in top five from what we've seen. We can go through the big men. I know Nick has a list of big men over here he'd like to talk about. He might be number five. He's most certainly in the top five. He might be number five. And I would probably put him in three or four. And I'm a little there's, conflicted on that. I got Battles, Battles number one, without a doubt. He was he was almost CA player of the year. And he was probably – and he was defensive player of the year two years in a row. Um, then number two is Frank. Frank just was dominant and with his size and um, – was a very, very good player for us and was at times unstoppable. Like He looked like the best player on the court against some really good competition, um, including like Syracuse and NC State. So for me, Frank is most certainly number two. Number three, we're coming into Rodney slash Sammy Givens territory here. And I think it's a little arguable either way. Sammy, Sammy was a good offensive player. I think Rodney's a better offensive player. But Sammy was a beast on the boards and Rodney is decent on the boards. So that's your that's your argument there. I could go either way on that. Uh, I don't think anyone else is even in the, in the in the running at this point for as long as you're taking the number one. Well, top Sean season Brooks they've is had. in the running. Not for three or four for me. He's not. I'd put him at five at this point. But that would be it. I mean, you can you can when you say all case. time. I mean, there's a lot of things we need to we need to quantify and clarify. 
Are you saying singular season? I'm taking their best. Saying like their best season, best two seasons. Like no, no, their best season. Their that that person one season. That person at their best for an entire season. Because otherwise, it's like okay, this guy played four years. This guy played two years. Okay, it's kind of hard to quantify. All right. That based on that, like Leon Spencer would be right out the window. He's like, I only played two seasons, so you wouldn't, you wouldn't be able to argue. Okay, uh, so if he Leon came in Spencer. and played one year and it beasted it, you'd say Leon Spencer could be in the running for that one season. Yes, theoretically, that would be his top level. I'm looking at where he maxed out at in his career. Okay. If you'd like to change criteria, feel free. To, oh, I'm just trying to understand to what the it. criteria is because it makes a difference. Um, because we have a guy, like you said, guys have played four years, guys have had good two year stretches. Well, even if you compare like Rodney to Brooks, just like straight up there, they probably yeah. have similar point totals. But Rodney's first three years were kind of spread out, where Brooks only really yeah. Well, Brooks had, had two a good battle years. ahead of him. Yeah. So yeah, I mean, that's why I'm going with the one year. So you know, you already said bad on Elgar, so we won't talk about them. Let's look at Sammy Gibbons. And I don't think I don't even think and, and Rodney's having a great year. I'm gonna preface everything I'm gonna say with I. Rodney's having an outstanding year. He's our best player um, this year. Uh, you know, I think he has definitely moved up the leaderboard in all-time Drexel big man. But Sammy Givens, I mean, this is a guy that you know was on two over twenty win team seasons. Uh, one team that should have made the NCAA tournament that he was more or less the leader of, the go-to guy. Uh, Team that uh, you know, everyone. Chris Fouch said Sammy was the guy who wanted, that they want to give the ball to in a clutch, clutch situation. Uh, he averaged ten point ten rebounds a game, ten rebounds a game. Rodney averages six rebounds a game. It's closer to seven. But skew the stats how you'd like. Uh, he he uh, more assists, uh, less points per game in his best season. Um. And then when you look at percentage of points, which I think is an interesting stat, because, I mean, Rodney's averaging 17 points a game this year, but we score a lot more points as a team. When you look at percentage of points, it's a little bit more even. Um, Rod, uh, Sammy, with his 12.2 points a game, was 19% of the scoring. Um, and then Rodney is 22% of the scoring. So Rodney still gets the edge there, but it doesn't look as – looks a little bit more even when you look at percentage of points that that person contributed to the entire team's points. Um, so, you know, I, I don't really think there's an argument with Sammy Gibbons. Well, here's, here's another argument for it. Sammy was on a much better team. He didn't, he didn't have the double teams all the time that, that Ronnie's facing. He was double teamed a lot. But you had to deal with Chris Fouch, like he said, Damian Lee. Franz Massinat. These are three superstars, three of the best guards we've ever had. And if I think if we were doing this with guards, those are probably one, the top three guards on any rotation that we've had. So they're taking attention away from him. And the perfect example of this is Frank Eligar. Frank Eligar, as a junior with stocked talent around him, absolutely was a monster that year. He averaged 16 points a game, his highest total, high, good in rebounding, good in everything. The next year, didn't have that talent. All the pressure was on him to perform, and his stats weren't as good. Everyone said, oh, Frank didn't come up this year. If you actually look at his stats. What were his stats? Look at his stats. He averaged like two, two less points a game. I think he averaged like 16 in his junior year. Yeah, his, his, senior 14, year, he averaged, his senior year. 
He averaged fourteen. He had more rebounds, but 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 yeah. I I get you. I completely get your point. Like the fact that Frank Elagar when he had Bosch there, uh, Don Mejia, and Don Mejia was a different player because when when there's other oppor- well, other people that can consistently score on your team, it definitely takes a lot of pressure off you. And I think that's a luxury yeah. Frank had. That's a luxury of one year at least. That one year, the, his best year, he had that. Sammy had that his best year, um, and uh, I would say Battle is probably out of the players, the person that didn't have it uh, in the in his best year. And uh, Rodney this year, he's got a couple, a little bit of rookie help, but or freshman help, but he doesn't really have that. Like, yeah, I would say that works both ways, though. I mean, if you're a a great player on a team that doesn't have a lot of good players around you, you're going to get a lot more opportunities because there isn't, you don't share the wealth around as much like the Trey more, the Trey, the Hawthorne Rogers team, you know, where Rogers scored a lot of points. Tremaine, Tremaine Hawthorne was a, had over, over 10 points a game. You know, that wouldn't, he wouldn't get those points or those opportunities on a better team because he wouldn't get as many shots off. So I think that that can work both ways. You get maybe you get more opportunities because there's better players on your team, but if you're a star that doesn't have as many good players, you get more shots because you're the go-to guy. So I, I think that evens itself out. I mean, I agree with you on, on that a little bit, but I mean, still, he, this guy is getting double teamed almost every time he touches the ball, and every time he does, and he's scoring pretty much. I mean, yeah, he's, he's been absolutely I'm just unstoppable. Gonna... I just want to poke a hole right there in Nick's argument. He, our, our dear Frank Elgar, who you were just arguing about, actually averaged more shots in the season he had the guard uh, like <laughs> Mejia and Bosch around. Him. So, yeah, yeah, that's actually that's actually the only stat he went down in was shots taken. Yeah, really, he that's ended up getting less shots because he was getting doubled and had to pass the ball out. Like, so oh. I, I know I know that's what you that's how it, it seems to. You, you think things work out, but a lot of the time when you get doubled, you don't actually end up getting taking more shots. It, that, it's one individual case. Look at Scott Rogers. The year that he, you know, when he was had to be the go-to here? guy, he took a lot more shots. Well, it's the same. It's the same point. I don't think it is. It's the same I think base it's different point. when it's the big getting doubled down underneath the basket as opposed to a guard. I think it's a different style of play. Yeah, and like to me, like if you look at what Rodney's doing this year, it's not like he's just. We're giving it to him because he's the only guy we have, and he's forcing it up. He's one of the best players in the CAA, and it's not even – he's like the third leading scorer. He's second in field goal percentage. Uh, he's up there in – he's a top ten in rebounding. He's top ten in blocks. I mean, the guy's doing literally everything. It's not like – Scott Rogers, when you're watching him play, you're like, okay, he, he has to force a little bit because there's not really anything else here. Rodney, I think it's a little different. He's like, this is – he's obviously one of the best players in the league getting the ball. And I think that would be happy on almost any team that we had. Even that 2000, you know, 2012 team, he would play. I think I think that's a whole other argument. But uh, so, <laughs> Nick, who's your top five today? If you had to go, with? I think Bill already gave us his. I probably broke to five. I think if I didn't say that, but no, go ahead. Sorry. Um, battle. I put Gibbons over Eligar. Gibbons, Eligar. Um. You know, I'll I'll go with Rodney. I, I looked at the stats of a Brooks. I I changed my mind. I'll give him four. Brooks is five. But he's there's no way I would put Rodney over Sammy Givens. 
That's what the argument is. <laughs> I think it'd go either way. I'm not even sold on Sammy. Was, uh, we did, Sammy was monstrous on the, on the. He was the Charles Barkley. No, direct. I, I love Sammy Givens, and he, you're right. He had this uncanny nose for the basketball. Every time it hit, came off of the of the backboard, and, and he was a rebounding machine. There's no denying Sammy Givens. For me, it's a tough. Uh, it's a tough call between. I think it, it's definitely battle Eligar for me as well, but. Between Givens and Rodney today, it's still Givens, and Rodney's four. But Rodney, I think, depending on how he finishes the season out, he he has he has a shot at number three. And I I know he's never going to have the same amount of glory as Sammy had with the team that you know in 2012. But and I feel bad for that. I feel bad for the kid that he doesn't have that opportunity because he is that he is really good. I just, you know, he just, uh, he came, he stayed at Drexel during a transition and I'm happy to have him in his senior year, uh, but I, I wish we had a better team around him. So we actually had a legitimate shot at the CAA tournament this year, but he's doing He'll be missed. He'll be missed next year. Oh, he would absolutely be missed. And it's going to come down to, I mean, I've said this before, but I still think he's probably going to be first team all CAA despite where we finished in the conference. Just. Especially if he keeps his stats where they are, third leading score in the conference right now. Um, and we haven't had – battle is literally the only other big man we've had who's done that. So Yeah. Is is Marshall still on the line? Oh, sorry. I, I was on mute. I <laughs> it's okay. I ate a brownie like half an hour ago and forgot to take myself off mute. It's all right. <laughs> Did you, is the brownie kicking in? No, normal brownie. Ah. Uh. Uh, that sucks. That's a shame. Who's, who's your top five, Marshall? Uh, top five big top men. Five. This uh, might be different because it's a little. He hasn't seen. A... Yeah, I didn't see Battle of Brooks live. Um, I'm going Eligar number one. Uh, Sammy number two. And I'm doing this just based on talent and and the player individually, not who they were with or anything. I'm going Rodney number three. You wouldn't put Rodney over Sammy Givens? No. He has more points Sammy. per game. Uh-uh. I'm, I'm going Sammy number two. If I'm building a team and I want to put this, – this is the same argument I have when we're talking NBA players and people want to talk like LeBron and all this type of stuff. If I'm putting together a team – of uh, and to win one game, I'm taking Sammy over Rodney. Yeah, yeah I mean, I, I wouldn't. I think it's I hard argue to that argue that. Yes. Yeah. yeah. At this point, um, I would love to have Rodney. I mean, so if we're talking about putting a, a, a roster of big men together, Eligar at at center, I guess. Uh, Sammy at first four uh, at, at forward, and then you go like a three guard lineup. Um, but Rodney first off the bench in that big man scenario. Yeah. And then oddly enough, I think uh, this might be controversial, but Daryl uh, would be a <laughs> would be up there for off the bench for defensive purposes. I, I like well, Daryl a lot. Rest that know how to call a game. I did like Daryl a lot uh, from that perspective, but he's not. He's definitely your number two guy. You don't. If Daryl's your number one, you're in trouble. You're no, number no, no. Two, you're okay. Yeah. I, I mean, I think 
Daryl, he was he did not put anything up on the stat line that was very impressive, but he took up a lot of space. I don't know where that shows up in the box score, but it makes it teams a lot, it makes a lot of things no, where it harder. Shows up in the box score with twenty six wins that season or twenty five wins, whatever uh, now, it was. Now that was the rest of the team, Marshall. Uh, you know, yeah. Okay, so if we put Daryl on this team, you think they're going to win twenty six games, and we take off no, Franz I, I don't think and that. But I think it's a, no, but I think it's at least part of the argument. It's got to be part of the argument. Okay. We're doing all this stuff where we're talking about defense and the team's not playing good defense, and the, how much of that does Rodney get any blame at all? Even a little bit of blame? He might get a little, but not enough to dissuade all of his uh, positive stats. Yeah, Sammy but Gibbons I think Rodney, was not a very good defender. He wasn't. I, I think Rodney's purposely. Rodney's purposely being asked to not play the like the type of defense he was playing last year. Yeah, we need Rodney on offense. Right. <laughs> but uh, uh, suit update, Nick. Wait, wait, wait. My oh, number sorry. five. My number five. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Jeez, I was on mute for half an hour, and you're trying to cut away from me already. Um, <laughs> I didn't know you were still there. I've had enough already, Marshall. <laughs> Uh, I might go Randy Ovenecki, number five. Interesting. So you never saw Chaz, Chaz play, right? I never no, saw Chaz. I saw one year of Chaz. Um, him and Eligar together was awesome. Um, but I think, yeah, no, I'll, I'll go Chaz Crawford. Yeah, you're right, number five. Chaz was a beast defensively. Yeah, Chaz was a, a good example of a like. Actually, you know what? Yeah, Chaz player. number four, Daryl number five. That's probably more accurate. Yeah. Sorry. I, I, I only had one year of Chaz, but I forgot about him for a second. Because he was, he was a quiet defender. Like, he mm-hmm. had an impact on the game. But He had a, he had uh, a lot of blocks, Chaz. Yeah. He rebounded yeah. and blocked him. He actually he could have played offense. I just don't think he had any interest in it, really. He was just wanted to focus <laughs> on defense. Yeah. He had a couple games where he had big offensive games. He just didn't bring it every night like that. He only averaged, yeah. like, five shots a game, so. I just love Chad when Chad's walked around and the the during warm-ups was just like he had that game face on. He'd walk around the sideline. And I think we'd be there like as the old Dak pack. But he had a interesting warm-up routine. Walking the perimeter of the court. Yeah. His serious face on. All right. I think uh we're about over an hour in, so suit update. Is there a suit update this week? Uh Hoster coach looks like a used car salesman. He does have that used car salesman look. I don't know if the suit helps it or not, but just in general. That's a suit update. Oh, man, it's a quick one. Man, uh, that's going to disappoint a lot of fans. The predictions real quick. Yeah, it's prediction time. We have four games. All right, I'll just, I'll just go through the list. William & Mary, I'll go lost. Um, I want, I'm going to go with a win, a win, and then a loss at Elon. So Towson Delaware wins and a loss to Elon. All right, nice. So two and two, and that's probably optimistic, but whatever. You're an optimistic guy, Bill. I've been way too optimistic. I should start. <laughs> you just had picking the worst record the last, uh, you know, know. one four run. And then uh, Nicholas Intrieri. We got to start winning some home games here. Um, I think we win two home games. Um, I didn't think Townsend was that great. I think we're going to beat them. And I think we're going to beat Elon. 
And I think we're going to lose to Delaware on the road. So different two and two than me. And we'll lose to William and Mary. Marshall, would you like to go next? Sure. Uh, we only beat Delaware. <laughs> and that, and I wouldn't have Why? confidence in Why that. Why did we only beat Delaware, I... Marshall? You can't pick Delaware. It's impossible. Yeah, I just wanted him to yeah, say Delaware I, sucks. If they were, <laughs> if they had won 50 straight games, well, no, because they would have played us in those games. If they had won 20 straight games and we were 0-20, I would still pick us to beat Delaware. I will never, ever in my life pick Drexel to lose to Delaware. I think I'm going a loss of William, uh, against William & Mary, a win against Townsend. A win against Delaware and a loss against Elon. So two and two as well, but another flavor of it. Oh, no, the same flavor as you, Bill. Never mind. That's what I went with. So am I the most pessimistic of us this week? Yeah, and that seems to, you know, be a good strategy. More importantly, why are you guys throwing an N in the, in the name Towson? You've all been saying it Townsend. It's Towson. Oh, I did. I didn't even know. So that's how I. That's how I say it, man. Damn. I, I don't judge your Philly accent. <laughs> uh. <laughs> You're Mike. Get back to Philadelphia. Thank you for listening to another episode of Dragons Cast. You can follow us on Twitter, where our handle is underscore Dragons Cast, and you can find us on Instagram also, where our handle is simply Dragons Cast. Zip it up, zip it out.